c'est vrai. Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton... I'm not a Tory. I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. episode of Fat, French, and Fabulous, or if you prefer, FFF, or my personal favorite, Is that how we're pronouncing it now? Just, just a sound. Well, you can't just say Fat, French, and Fabulous every time, although... It's too many syllables. Yeah, it is a mouthful. But FFF is just kind of awkward in English. I don't know, actually, if it's better in French. I was gonna say, it's not better in French. It's kind of awkward in general. Yeah, well, you know what? We picked it because it sounds catchy, not because it made a good acronym. Yeah. But I don't know if it's better, because, like, when your mom asks you, like, hey, what are you listening to? And you're like, <laughs> like, she's going to think you've joined some sort of cult. You're listening to, like, the voices in your head, and that's... It's all that Dungeons and Dragons she's been playing. Oh, my God. That panic... All that... That panic was over, like, decades ago. We're, we're not still... Prior to my birth. Yeah, yes. we're not still upset about, like, Dungeons and Dragons converting the kids. We're mostly just like, oh, you play Dungeons and Dragons. Like, fuck... No, it's more like, shit, I wanted grandchildren. Like, I guess that's not happening. Fuck. <laughs> or it means that your kid is in prison, because apparently that's the big thing in prisons now. Instead of playing cards, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, which is kind of adorable. Like, just a bunch of... Aw, oh, that's adorable. It is adorable. Hardened criminals sitting around being warlocks. I like it. They're socializing <laughs> in a way that doesn't involve murder. Shanks. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. They're not like abused puppies. They're <laughs> like, oh, we just need to socialize them, get them used to other people and the sounds of cars backfiring, and then they'll just, they'll be fine. Well, actually, one of the things I, I really love about, about prisons is a lot of them have been participating in programs where the inmates teach dogs to be guide dogs. I think it's just adorable. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the program where they have dead people on their playing cards. Oh, but the, really? the dog thing is fun, too. Yeah, this is this was I don't know if they still do this, but this is a project for a while where they would put the faces of like missing or unidentified people on the backs of playing cards because they're like, fuck, what else do inmates do all day but stare at playing <laughs> cards? And they did. They, they actually solved cold cases this way because oh, like really? inmates would be playing fucking go fish or whatever the hell they do. And they'd flip over a card and be like, shit, I know that dead person. Hey. We, I thought they would have solved that murder by now. I should I should give them a call. Like, fuck it, I'm already in prison. Like, what the hell are they going to do you know, to me? What, whatever, whatever. I'll just do them a solid. Oh, that's really interesting. But uh, interrupting our tale of puppies and murder victims, uh, we're going to be doing a very non-murdery Fat French and Fabulous today. Just absolutely. Oh, yeah, we are. We're not, not a single We're not doing body. murder this time. Yeah. No murder. Yeah. That's weird. We're actually going to be That's focusing on for us. the delightful the delightful crime of art forgery. Hooray! Yes. So definitionally, art forgery is presenting a piece of art as something it's not in terms of age and or provenance. I thought it was just copying art and saying you did it. Mm. And then, like, selling it. <laughs> art forgery is not necessarily taking something. It's not necessarily claiming that it's yours. It's specifically presenting a piece of art as something it's not. Oh, so you, you claim you've got a lost Picasso when really it's just something your shitty five-year-old made up. Basically. Oh. 
That's that's exactly what it is. So if I want to pay off my student loans, I can just find lost Jackson Pollocks forever Mm -hmm. when really it's just me tripping over a paint can. Yeah. So like some art forgers actually recreate pieces of art in question, but others just repurpose old pieces of art or misattribute actual pieces of art. Uh, for the sake of increasing their profit margins, usually. Just slip a signature on that shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's actually, like, the most common type of art form. You just, just, you just find some piece a... of shit yeah, yeah. your great-grandmother painted in 1928 in the attic, and then you're just yeah. like, fuck it, Rembrandt. Mm-hmm. So, it's usually, and it's also usually, but not always, for financial gain. Some people just do it for the rush. <laughs> uh, it has to be for financial gain in order, in order to be a crime. But, like, some people genuinely just do it because it's fun. You know, nothing like a good bit of art forgery to get the blood going. Like, some of us have, like, video games. Some of us like to go for walks. Yeah, some, some people, people just, have art forgery. Some people have some, art forgery. That's, just, that's some, just their whole world. Some people have deceiving experts and their own and their own families. Some people, that's what gets them up in the morning. They just get out of bed in the morning and they're like, you know what? I would have no reason to not fucking kill myself if it wasn't for... Yeah, just the beautiful rush. Slapping a fake signature (laughs) on this art from the Goodwill. (laughs) I imagine there's like a small but like not insignificant minority that's just sexually attracted to deceiving art dealers. Oh, I bet. I bet. I bet there are people who get a certain sexual pleasure from seeing pretentious men with tiny mustaches, you know, nod approvingly over their piece of shit, <laughs> like, scrawled on the back of a cereal box. <laughs> you know, I was, like, thinking at the beginning of this episode, I'm like, shit, I went into the wrong career. I could have made so much money as an art forger. And now I'm like, you know what? No. <laughs> Therapist was the right choice. There is a market for this. I chose a marketable <laughs> profession. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there is such a thing as legitimate reproduction or imitation of a work, such as a copy that respects intellectual property rights, as well as parody and pastiche. So, like, when my grade six teacher made me paint a copy of Starry Starry Night just for shits and giggles and because she wanted to sleep behind her desk for an hour, that's that's fine. Entirely within her rights. That was fine. (laughs) You, five-year-old Janelle, would not, like... This was the sixth grade. I was not quite that much of a child genius. (laughs) I, I just, I just like. Well, you're so brilliant, and I just, I just assumed that you dazzled all your. You teachers. just don't know what age children are when they do things. No, I have no idea. <laughs> I had a very strange childhood myself. Your homeschool is showing. <laughs> My homeschool. Is, I, I mean, like, I technically, yeah, technically, I left school in the I'll sixth say you grade, were, so I, you like, were I should understand. I should understand, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. I don't know what age do kids take their first step. Is it twelve? Is it fucking three? I don't know. It's me. It's me. <laughs> Are they supposed to talk by 16? Because fuck, I wish they wouldn't. Yeah, so if 12-year-old Janelle had, you know, painted Starry Night because uh, her 6th grade teacher had been on a bender last night and just was not up to it. It's entirely possible. Uh, then 12-year-old Janelle would be entirely within the law. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it didn't turn out well, so... <laughs> I mean, there, there's that too. It's but like, it's not the quality of the forgery that makes it a the forge, forgery. It's the intent to deceive. No, and you've got an entire like it was it, it was an intent to display it on my parents' refrigerator. I think was the <laughs> ultimate intent of that project. <laughs> I mean, like that that would have been enough of a crime. It basically finally squashed any of my parents' feelings that I might be a painter someday. That was the purpose <laughs> of that project to crush my mother's that dreams. Was, that was the intent. So. <laughs> 
if I, or 12-year-old Janelle, with all my considerable artistic artistic skill, create a copy of, let's say, Starry Night by uh, Vincent van Gogh. Oh, God, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. I just, I absolutely believe that you can and should pronounce it Van Gogh, but I find it extremely funny that it is, in fact, according to the Dutch, pronounced Van Gogh. No, I'm just going to call him... It's just... No, I'm going to call him Vincent Van Earhole, and that's that's going to be it. <laughs> you know who I'm talking I about. Vinny. Vinny Van Earhole. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny Van... Cut off my ear. Yes, yes. <laughs> so if, if I take Janelle's shitty picture... Hey! I resent that. If I take Janelle's perfectly reasonable given the artistic talent of a 12 year old with no future in art thank you painting copy of starry night and i sell it that's not forgery insofar as i make clear that it is a copy uh do anyone blind enough to think that it isn't (laughs) (laughs) i will have you know that i went to a drunken paint night in manhattan the other night and I made a perfectly good picture of a oh yeah, it was awesome tree tree looking thing. Oh, I did. I just I sent you a picture. Yeah, That's right. I really liked it. I made a. It was a. It was a drunk paint along, and I did good. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm not denying your current usability to drunkenly paint masterpieces. I am denying. Twenty five year old Janelle paints like a boss. Yeah, like a but drunk. Like way better than that twelve year old Janelle. Eat shit, twelve year old Janelle. <laughs> you little fuck up you're, you're not you're not nothing <laughs> <laughs> no that's true and 12 year old me would have heartily agreed with you <laughs> you go up to 12 year old janelle oh you're a piece of shit i'd be like eh. yeah yeah kind of <laughs> yeah. so if we sell that and, and i make it clear that it's a copy or if i take a blow to the head and sell it thinking that it's the real thing it's not a forgery. It's the intent to... You can plead insanity? Yeah, I, I, I can plead incompetence. <laughs> if I just took a massive blow to the head and sold 12-year-old Janelle's Starry Night. And so if you just get a bunch of paintings I made when I was 12, and then you start sneaking up behind horses for fun, <laughs> we could really make a go of this. <laughs> I, I, I will be... I, I'm not sure it's the most... It is a career with a lot of ling- longevity, but I will stay out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends on how often you got to get kicked in the head. True, I think true. once and we're in business. <laughs> I- I'm going to end up in a hospital of some kind, but it will not be a prison. <laughs> I mean, you've got universal health care still, so... I mean, I'm in luck. I'm in luck. Enjoy it. No. Startle a horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's Canada's health care uh, system slogan. Like, what was the intent of universal health care if it wasn't living on the wild side and starting a life of crime? <laughs> <laughs> We're Canadians. Enjoy your health care. Eat a lot of poutine. I mean, what's the point of piss off some wildlife? What's the point of paying all this these taxes for universal programs if you don't use them every once in a while? (laughs) Speed through a moose crossing. (laughs) Live life to the fullest. (laughs) It's what the Canadian government wants for you. We don't quite have, like, socialized funerary services, though, so maybe don't speed through a moose crossing. <laughs> I actually re- retract that one. <laughs> so, on the other hand, if I sell the copy as a genuine article with full knowledge that it is a fake, and the buyer somehow overlooks the fact that Van Gogh's chosen medium was not uh, a piece of printer paper and finger paint... And sp- um, I was gonna say fingers in a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then I am a bona fide forger. Ooh. This is why some forgeries are indeed copies of masterworks. But 
they're usually not. And then, in fact, they're presented as famous lost works, found or alternate versions of well-known works made by the original artist. I was going to say, like, not to give any of our listeners, like, incredibly lucrative career ideas um, to pay off their crippling student loans, but, like, a fuckload of art went missing in World War II. Oh, so much. That was raided from wealthy Jewish families, and, like, most of it's kind of, there's hundreds of thousands of important pieces of art Mm -hmm. that are just, like, sitting in a Nazi's grandchild's attic somewhere. Yeah, and very few living people have seen them, and only really descriptions of them exist, so it would be really easy to just, like, I don't know, work off of the description and just say that this is a genuine article. (laughs) No one can say you're wrong. <laughs> this There's, a, like, a shocking amount of... Entire statues have gone missing and just nobody knows where they are. Yep. It's incredible. There's actually... This is, um... Massive amounts of European history, art history are just gone. Well, right... Even right here in the city, uh, I'm, I'm in New York City at the moment, and, um... I had to go to a meeting at the Columbia University Sundial, and I was looking into the history of the sundial, and what it is is, like, if you're ever at Columbia University campus in the middle of, if you know, if you go to an elite Ivy League school, like, um, some of us, <laughs> who's that, you know, Braggart. you know what, I was a piece of shit 12-year-old, now I go to Columbia. Let me have this. <laughs> <laughs> I had braces, and I made paintings that looked like I made them with my face, <laughs> I overcame. I I get to have this one. But in the middle of campus, there's this, like, raised platform called the sundial, which, like, does not serve any obvious function of telling time. And what it is is that, like, back in the day, there was a 16-ton granite ball on top of this podium that functioned as a sundial. And and I I don't quite understand how. But at one point in the 1940s, it cracked, and somebody at the university decided it was unsightly. And then it just kind of went missing. Mm-hmm. And nobody, like, it's out, like, a 16-ton stone ball Holy. disappeared from the middle of a Manhattan campus in the middle of the night. And, like, wow. 70 years later, we don't know where it is. Like, it's, we know it's in Michigan somewhere, but whoever has it, like, will not give it back. <laughs> We're not sure where it is. Like, people have claimed to have seen it. That's the only thing that we know is, like, people claim to have seen it in Michigan. But nobody's actually quite sure, like, where it went or where it's been for the last 70 years. It's in- it's incredible, the um, art that can go missing. So we have multiple relatively unsubstantiated claims that it may or may not be in Michigan. Yeah, that's as far as, apparently, like, tracking Just a 16-ton stone ball. Metal ball. <laughs> stone. It is, like, that fucker's heavy. Yeah, no kidding. And that's not like, you need a conspiracy of several people in order to get that thing out. (laughs) Well, yeah, because like at what point is somebody like, hey, pal, can't help but notice, you've got a 16 ton granite ball in your garage. The fuck's that for? And you just have to be like, "Mm." oh yeah, just Just working through some stuff. Like, what do you mean? Oh yeah, my my, my aunt Laura passed away and you know this was my part of the estate no like no one's gonna believe that no one's gonna buy no that you just shit. have to look them you just look them dead in the eyes and you're like it's a sex thing and then they don't want to know yeah, no, 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 no. Oh. they just never bring oh, it up again like, sorry sorry and they, like, they just they just block that out <laughs> you just get to keep your gigantic plundered columbia sundial ball <laughs> and do god knows what with it <laughs> forever <laughs> the most terrifying dildo <laughs> Oh my god. 
when you come out to visit me, I'm going to make you stand on the sundial platform to get a sense of scale, and I'm going to make you repeat that. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> if only because then I get to That's how Janelle gets expelled. <laughs> To get me kicked out of school yeah. for making sexual comments about a missing piece of Columbia architecture. I, I think we made this prediction several months ago that the moment I came to New York, I was going to get you immediately deported. And uh, I think that's how. <laughs> yeah, probably making sexual gestures toward a missing sundial. <laughs> it's one of those things that's not technically against the law, it just, but it just, it just feels, feels like it like should, should be. be. It feels wrong. Yeah, ICE has a lot of uh, a lot of leeway in deporting people, and uh, I I think like I'm I I get the top of their list. <laughs> I just know that I have immediately changed my mind. The University of Columbia will not protect me. <laughs> no, no, they won't. Especially because you don't even go here. I don't even go there. I just know that I have immediately changed my mind about taking you to the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> immediately, you're not going near that. It's 90 feet high. We'll both die. <laughs> it's not a good laugh. Uh, art forgery is essentially, it's fraud. It's lying. It's lying. It's lying for money, which is fraud. Lying is bad. And comedy. <laughs> uh, but as far as crimes go, art forgery has a certain air of romance. Usually it takes quite a bit of technical skill and know-how to recreate the work of a master, as well as a great deal of knowledge to avoid detection. At least if you're creating the work out of whole cloth rather than just misrepresenting an existing piece. Also, like, there are many, many mustaches so many. in the field of art so history. Many. Which some people are into. Dazzling. So I've heard. Dazzling yeah. mustaches. And this is like, never mind the daring it takes to sell a fraudulent work to a museum filled with experts or a private collector with more than enough money to have the work authenticated if they so choose. Yeah, you need balls the size of Columbia's missing sundial. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you need at least to do three this. of them. <laughs> you need to be a three-testicled freak. <laughs> you need to have three <laughs> testicles, and even then, it is dicey. <laughs> <laughs> the world got you down with your freakish third testicle, and now you are punching back. <laughs> the only way to reclaim the dignity that is yours. All art forgers are covering up a deep insecurity about a physical deformity especially the women <laughs> oh my god <laughs> they're really especially angry about their third testicles so getting caught after fooling the experts even has been sometimes a boon to the forger's reputation such as the case of michelangelo <laughs> and yes what that michelangelo no, not what? the Ninja Turtle, the one who painted the roof oh. of the Sistine Chapel. The one whose male figures well, could be best described as absolutely ripped, and whose female figures could be best described as like the dudes, but with two melons strapped across the chest. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say whose figures can be described as terrifying and nude and more terrifying and still nude. <laughs> Basically. Michelangelo did not see a lot of naked no, women. No, he did not care to. <laughs> <laughs> he was, one, very gay, and two, not really into sex. You can sort of tell that he lived in an era when women wore a lot of clothing, mm. so he just sort of had to guess what was under yeah, there. Yeah, like this is, and this is also an era where, where taking off your clothes for money was met with a certain level of social stigma, so the vast majority of, uh, you know, female 
models for paintings were either one men or they were uh, two <laughs> just to hold these cantaloupes yeah. for a second or lips. they were two social <laughs> undesirables such as prostitutes and homeless people <laughs> so all of the like great statues and paintings of women are just oh absolutely portraits of prostitutes throughout the ages oh, yeah like we actually have a good idea there's just like this one homeless person in britain who ended up as god in several paintings because like he just had like a <laughs> really good face for it <laughs> is that what the beard is for mm. now when all of our representations of god is just like a homeless man's lack of access to hygiene products basically yes great mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> also like what is like I've, I've, like, I live in New York, there's a lot of homeless people around, and I've just never looked into the eyes of a homeless person and been like, that's the face of God, right there. I've found it. Yeah, no, uh, (laughs) you know, poor Renaissance painters just walked out the door, found the, you know, most handsome homeless person they could, they could find, the one with the most teeth, and that was the new, the new face of God. I found Jesus, and he sleeps in a bus shelter. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my god. So, art forgery is far from a victimless crime, but unlike the usual fraud, the... Oh, actually, I need to explain. I need to explain the whole Michelangelo comment. So, Michael... Yeah, I mean, you've got to go back to that. You can't just leave that there. You know, like, you can't just, like, (laughs) drop that and just move on. No, you can't. You can't (laughs) do that. Absolutely not. I just accused one of the the great old masters of fraud. (laughs) It's like texting your boyfriend, like, we need to talk, and then being like, never mind. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. No, really, yeah. I'm fine. No, Chad, I, I have don't something ask. to tell you. And, and, like, come home immediately after work. Chad. I don't know. How heteronormative of you. I don't know what men Chad. are called. I don't know. <laughs> Chad. Most of our friends are men. And they're all named Andrew, all actually. Of all of our friends all of are Andrew. Are named Andrew. I don't understand. <laughs> They're both listening. That's great. <laughs> uh, hi, Andrew. Hi, other Andrew. When this when this comes out in nine weeks, I'm going to get quite a text message. <laughs> so Michelangelo became well known for his skill to art patrons and in Rome, who are primarily interested in the sculpture from the classical era, through a scheme where he carved a cupid in marble, then buried it in the acidic earth to grant it the appearance of age, then sold it off through a dealer. Now, there's some question about whether or not this was the dealer's plan or whether or not it was Michelangelo's, but whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll pass that on. He was... I like the lack of sophistication. It's just sort of like, you know what? Old things are dirty. Yeah, well... I'm gonna bury this in the yard. Specifically, it's because marble, it, it, it dissolves very easily in acid. And that gives yeah. it the, the appearance of wear and tear. But, like, absolutely... This is not an era where art forger like art forgery detection has a lot of forensic <laughs> science behind it. <laughs> like, oh, that statue is dirty. It is both worn and slightly dirty. Clearly, it is wizened with age. That's what old being old <laughs> is like. It's just being a little bit dirty. <laughs> I too am worn, and I have dirt in my creases. <laughs> That's what makes me an old man. <laughs> oh, <gross>. <laughs> <laughs> this is a gross podcast. That's Doesn't matter what we're covering. Do. That's just what wrinkles do. They just they just catch dirt. Whether we're talking about art or or 
the <laughs> burial of human remains. All of our podcasts are disgusting. And it's usually my fault. <laughs> it's it always your always fault. A hundred percent of the time. Hey, you, you're my partner. I need you to back me up on this. I I I need you to take at least ten percent of the blame just for the. I'm just I'm just here to enable. <laughs> just you're enabling you. Enabler. Okay. Oh, so great. Despite the fact that he was caught, caught, the quality of the forgery drew positive attention and helped contribute to his social cachet as an artist. The cupid later became far more valuable due to its connection to Michelangelo. It was then destroyed in a fire in England. Anyway. These things mm. happen. These things happen. You know, it's, it, it's whatever. It's whatever. I hate it when my it's like priceless forgeries get destroyed in uh, English it's fires. It's the worst. God damn. Every time. And you know, it's it's kind of like when you're like, your mom buys you a nice present, but it's really quite pretty fragile, and then you knock it over while you're vacuuming. You know, it happens. You're just like, man, where did I leave my favorite coffee mug? Oh yeah, Fire of London. Mm. So... It's far from a victimless crime. We're back to what I was talking about earlier. But unlike the usual <laughs> fraud, the targets of high-level art fraud aren't always terribly sympathetic. They're usually rich, pretentious, experts, and faceless institutions. Yeah, because we fucking love stealing from rich oh people. Oh my gosh, it's yes. like the most fun thing. Like, ah, Robin Hood best. is a hero. Yeah, like... Yeah. And most people who commit fraud are just taking advantage of the poor, the vulnerable, and the inexperienced. <laughs> if you're rich, you literally have to be Batman or we hate you. Yeah. That's just how those things go. You are, you're Batman or you're a piece of shit and we want to steal mm. your money. Oh, absolutely. And I would steal money from Batman. <laughs> like, I, I, I respect him. I understand what he's doing. But yeah, I would like, steal I would shit rob out Batman. of his money. <laughs> <laughs> just steal the shit out of it. Just all of just it. Just all of it. Yeah, like low-level art fraud tasted tends to take advantage of like the same poor, vulnerable, and experienced people. But high-level art fraud, what? that shit gives us a visceral pleasure at just seeing like because it makes rich people look it makes dumb. Rich people look dumb. It makes people who claim to be smarter than us and more experienced than us and have more wealth than we could ever dream of look like morons. And you know. Haha, <laughs> you bought a Value Village painting somebody slapped a signature nah, on. You're a tool. You're an idiot. It's the definition of schadenfreude. Also, like, I want to know... Oh, yeah. But I want to know, like, who is the victim of low-level art forgery? Like, uh, motel chains? Like, who is buying low-level fraudulent there art? Was seriously just a dude who was pretending to sell, like, Baroque statues and painting out of the boot of his car, and, like, several people bought them. <laughs> If you're buying, like, a Monet out of the trunk of somebody's car in a Safeway parking lot for $200, you deserve to be yeah, ripped off. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I have several bridges to sell you under my trench coat. Mm, so many. All of all of them by Mozart. <laughs> Mozart. Yeah. Famous for his bridges. Mm, just, just a great bridge builder, that Mozart. And I have several cookbooks from Beethoven. I'm just full and, of treasures. Like, yeah, because these 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 low level forgeries tend to be terrible in quality and barely pass muster. They are, they are so like literally stolen motel art. Basically, yes. <laughs> or or just repurposed knickknacks. It's it's really quite tacky. <laughs> like you can buy high quality prints of literally oh, so any easy. famous piece of it's art. So easy. Just go. 
You you can have it on a coffee mug. You can I'm sure you can have it on pants if you want I, to. Like I, the internet is a wonderful thing. I literally have a large printout of of whatever you're about to say is going to upset me. It's Galatean Pygmalion. It's perfectly okay, normal. Okay, that's better than what I thought. I mean, it's, it is. It perfectly does have normal. a fair woman's ass on it. Well, of course it does. <laughs> that's what the Greeks. I do to. like <laughs> to start my morning with bare ass. Yeah. I also have a lovely print of uh, of a portrait of noted computer scientist slash programmer. Oh, what's her name? She's the ne- uh, she's the daughter of Lord Byron. Oh, Ada Lovelace. Yeah, I have Ada Lovelace. Knew that one off the top of my head. Yeah, of course, because we're. This is why I don't brilliant. have friends. <laughs> and, we, and we're friendless, except for people named Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you and the Andrews. Just, it's all I got. Just, like so many female names, but all Andrews. <laughs> yeah, they're all women. <laughs> it's, it's a strange situation. Something in the water in Edmonton. Um, I actually can't make fun of your taste in art or decor because I wake up every morning to a picture of 1980s Judd Nelson, so I really, <laughs> I'm not really in a position Honestly, to throw stones here. I respect here. that. I respect it. This is, a, this is a glass house full of breakfast club posters, yeah. so I really can't. <laughs> yeah, so high art is, is a typical case of an industry in which we would expect to see a lot of fraud, namely one where market price is largely disconnected from cost of production. That is to say, the actual material... It's cheap as fuck. fuck. (laughs) The actual materials and labor it took to create a work has little to no relation to how much people are willing to pay for it. Yeah, like I joked about, like, forging Jackson Pollock earlier, but genuinely... Oh, absolutely. You can forge Jackson Pollock in an afternoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, all you need is paint. Not even a paint and an brush. overactive seven year old. Yeah, and you just you just, just flick it. Take your canvas. kid off the Ritalin. <laughs> yeah, just let him go. <laughs> yeah, here's some cocoa puffs. Have fun, kid. Yeah, pretty much. Just give your kid a fucking paint roller and a sponge and yeah. <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, things like paint, things like canvas, they may cost a lot if you're on a student budget. But realistically, in terms of the base material, they don't cost nearly no. as much as a finished painting. No, you just get yourself a Michaels flyer and you're pretty much good to go. Mm-hmm. They got coupons for that shit. Yeah. They do not have coupons for priceless art. No, no, they do not. Which is a shame. I think <laughs> It's very rare you see like 30% off of Vermeer. <laughs> it is at best unusual. Which... <laughs> You know, the, the actual materials, the actual labor it takes to create the work doesn't matter, nor does it much matter how much practical utility it has. And it is in that gap between cost and price that fraudulent activity thrives, because it represents lucrativity, easy money. Yeah, there's a lot of art school graduates out there who have a lot of student loans. <laughs> yeah, and the name, like, Andrew Smith doesn't sell a lot of paintings and it doesn't sell them for a very there are high genuinely, price. Yeah, there are more names in the world than Andrew. I mean, I've never <laughs> met anybody other than you. It's just Janelle and Andrew. Just Janelle and Andrews. <laughs> Your mom is Andrew. Your dad is Andrew. My brother's Andrew. My other brother's also Andrew. My sister's Andrew. <laughs> My other sister? Andy. She prefers it. <laughs> <laughs> then you came out and they were just like, hmm. Jessica. Jessica. <laughs> Actually, my first name's Andrew. My middle name's Jessica. Yeah, I'm just using it because it's like it's 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 more it's more Hollywood. It's more it's more star power. I was gonna say like you're the kid they wanted to like 
put in a basket and float down the river, and then they were like, fuck, it's winter in Grand Prairie. Yeah, they just got too attached w- waiting for the- wait, Now we waiting gotta for keep the, her. Waiting for the ice Waiting ice for the to river to thaw. <laughs> <laughs> and to think you were almost king of Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really thought that was my, my true calling. Turns out it's podcasting. Yeah, yeah. So, and this isn't to say that the way we evaluate art is necessarily wrong. Makes sense. We don't value Michelangelo's David because it's a big fuck-off hunk of rock. We value it for its beauty, for the skill it took to create it, and for the information it provides in its very nature as a historical artifact. We also like... And for the hilarious tiny penis. So small. It's just... The the proportions are just fucked. (laughs) I've never even seen a dick in person and I'm confused. I was just going to say, <laughs> you don't have a lot of dick experience yeah, and you're still like, it just like, intuitively mm. seems wrong. I'm like, you know, I just... I don't know what it's supposed to look like, but I know it's not that. I mean, like, my finger's the length, the length of my palm. I'm like, oh my god. Okay. Here. <laughs> <laughs> this got weird. This got weird. I'm here to make it weird. This is why we don't talk sex with Jessica. No, no. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons, but that is one of them. <laughs> if you ever want your child to get pregnant, you just let Jessica give them the sex talk. Actually, if you want your child to be terrified of sex and to never, ever want to try it ever, you give Jessica, Jessica gives the sex talk. <laughs> it's one or the other. Take your chances. It's like 50-50. <laughs> Human beings mate like strawberries. We just send out a runner. <laughs> <laughs> a little baby pops up <laughs> right next to you. Uh, amazing. <laughs> uh, budding. <laughs> so how we perceive and evaluate these metrics of changes over time, but they are still a valid foundation for the value of art. Then again, a lot of people also value such things primarily as status symbols Uh, or buy into the market purely based on the assumption of continuous upward appreciation that allows for lucrative resale, an effect exacerbated by the fact that a particular type of art from a particular era long past necessarily has a fixed supply, but a relatively fluid level of demand. So basically, painters die. Painters die, they do. They just... And then eventually we run out of their... They only make so many paintings, and then they die. Yeah, you just can't. You can't make a Leonardo da Vinci factory, or the very least, well, I mean, <laughs> China is trying, but like, <laughs> it, it doesn't quite have the air of a f- authenticity that the original. Monet does. is not a renewable resource. No. Once once we've used it up, you know, we've used it I, up. I, you know, I'm just. It's just such a shame they cut down all the Monets back in the uh, back in the whenever. <laughs> it's just really terrible, isn't it? <laughs> what this all means is that the price of art in the high-end market is heavily dependent on confidence, on perceived value, which, if you've ever seen the inside of an econ textbook, is also one of the major characteristics oh of a speculative bubble. <laughs> which, in humanese... <laughs> this means that the, value, the market value of a particular piece can fluctuate wildly based on the fads and fashions of the moment, or collapse completely <laughs> if the work is proven or suspected to be a fraud. Well, like in essence, paintings are worth what we what somebody's willing to pay for them. Absolutely, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Paintings are worth however much some sucker is willing to shell out for them. Yeah, no more, no less. So, like, people are willing to drop hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a Raphael, or hundreds and hundreds of dollars, hundreds of millions on a Raphael. Yeah. But like, nobody's gonna spring twenty bucks for like a Janelle Como age twelve original. Mm-hmm. 
Which I think is a shame. Age 12, you really, I think so too. really showed some signs of brilliance. If if not the, 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 the sheer mastery that drunk 20-something <laughs> 20, 20, 20 Janelle really, really came... I was a drunk 12-year-old. Like, my childhood was good. My parents loved me. <laughs> like, there was no drunk 12-year-old fucking blue period where I was <laughs> mass-producing bad art in my bedroom while yeah. Linkin Park played in the background. Yeah, yeah. I did that shit sober. It was sober. Everything else is accurate, though. (laughs) But basically, art is expensive because rich people have run out of ways to make other rich people feel bad. Yeah. So now they have to buy really expensive art to put in the bathroom. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not saying that a large chunk of the value of the international art market is a massive speculative bubble, but... It's a massive speculative bubble. Millennials will ruin that too. Oh, absolutely. The mo- millennials ruin everything. Millennials ruin everything. It's it, it's in our DNA. It's who we are as people. We're not a sentimental generation. No. We're just like you know what? Fuck no. Yeah. The moment there is an economic downturn, or the moment millennials make up a large chunk of the art buying market, that shit is gonna fucking tank. <laughs> yeah. Just like we ruined golf, department stores, yeah. the dreams of our baby boomer parents, we're coming for the art market. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's, <laughs> we're taking it down. Fuck you, napkins, and fuck you, Monet. <laughs> yeah, we also have no money. Yeah, no money. That's a generation. No money. no money at all. The art market is for people who are like, you know what? Couches only come so expensive. Yeah. I can only buy a certain, like, I can only buy fridges that are so nice. Yeah, like... I can only have so much marble. Like, what can I have that is unlimited in how expensive it is? Yeah, and, like, among our friends, when when a guy, like, buys a second beer at dinner, like, you're just like, wow, he must have got a new job. (laughs) (laughs) We're actually friends with a lot of lawyers and professionals. I think we're okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be fine. We'll We'll be be fine. fine. (laughs) God, I hope so. the rest of our generation that will suffer. As soon as I've, like, you know, paid off my student loans, you know, moments before hitting menopause, I will be living life on the hog. Oh, yes. Life to the fullest. (laughs) High on the hog. Oh, yeah. Right before the hot flashes set in. Yeah. Moments later. Similarly, due to all this, forgery is a very old crime. As long as there have been artists, there have been imitators, and as long as there has been an art market, particularly one divorced from the fundamental values of what it sells, there has been art fraud. Sometimes it's just as simple as financial gain, and sometimes it's a more complicated case of slighted pride, but it's not always so cut and dry. Big question, how common is art fraud anyway? Bad forgeries, the kind of low-level, sometimes high-technology, but usually low-technique con jobs usually foisted off on unsuspecting non-experts, are extremely common. When I was writing this, I looked up uh, Vermeer in an online store and found... Johannes Vermeer's masterpiece, Girl with a Pearl Earring, for 1.5 million U.S. dollars, which is quite the steal, pre-owned condition or no. Mr. <laughs> Vintage NN Antiques seems like an honest gentleman with a 100% positive feedback rating to boot. Mind is, is this you, on eBay? Did you find this on eBay? This is, this is eBay. You know, I don't quite remember her looking this much like a dead-eyed Sears mannequin, but maybe old Jenny boy was having an off day. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I know you can get anything like on eBay, but girl with earring is. <laughs> oh yeah, just a really, really bad fake of girl with a pearl earring. <laughs> just it is. She looks like, she, like you know how like they say that Mona Lisa's eyes follow you around the room. <laughs> like her, hers are just staring in opposite directions <laughs> oh my gosh she's just like, slightly cross-eyed one of those eyes is like a little bit glassy you know you, you and, and the other one just sort of like is staring right into your soul if your soul is uh in the next room entirely <laughs> girl with pearl earring and quartz eye <laughs> it's 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 not a good painting at all just at all <laughs> i i think it was put up there with sort of the, the enterprising spirit of well might as well if there's somebody with like a spare million and a half dollars who wants this cheap ugly ass painting and doesn't have the ability to discern that it is not in fact <laughs> a real vermeer might let's give it a go <laughs> it was painted with the entrepreneurial spirit of a nigerian scam letter <laughs> You know, it's it's sometimes it's not about like you know, how much you get from an individual con. It's it's purely it's about a the art game. <laughs> no, no, it's it's about the money. It's about the money, baby. It's, it's about purely the money. about the money. <laughs> <laughs> so old paintings we've already discussed. New paint paintings with cheap, given cheap aging treatments also extremely common. True, highly talented forgeries kind that can trick an expert eye, however, are extremely rare. Most so-called fakes in museums aren't forgeries at all, just copies made around the same time as the original by an apprentice or artist of the same studio whose true origin became lost. Cases of mistaken identity rather than real fraud. Oh. Most original works by famous artists are obviously so. Signs of aging like Crackler, pattern of hairline cracks that develop as an artwork of a particular material composition ages are very hard to fake convincingly. Not only that, but the techniques and materials used by specific artists are very particular and often unique to their era and geographic location, as are the subjects and themes they prefer to depict. There are quite simply a million little details that could give a forger away. I was also going to say, like, they probably can't even get a hold, like a modern day forger can't get a hold of the paint that they used to use oh, because old timey paint is like ninety percent lead and like ten percent cancer and birth defects. It, it absolutely is. That's a major problem. One of the major ways that uh, art forgers in the recent in the most in the modern era have been caught is actually by carbon dating. Because yeah, they're not painting with actual like bleach and magnesium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like white paint used to be made out of lead. And now Which you it's should made not out eat. of not lead. <laughs> <laughs> lead is not a fun snack that we were yeah. <laughs> led to believe. Painters in the olden days suffered from a multitude of health problems due to the fact that most of their materials were either carcinogenic or actively poisonous. Well, yeah, you don't cut your ear off and mail it to somebody because you're having a good time. It's not the act of a healthy mm -hmm. man. <laughs> like, Van Gogh was not okay. <laughs> that is a man who consumes industrial quantities of lead. Yeah. And, there, and there's also this idea that, like, oh, you can't be a truly great artist unless there's a hint of madness in you. And that, like, true genius comes from madness, blah, blah, no, blah. No, it's because no. master painters were fucking yeah. ingesting lead all the time. The, the correlation between being an artist and being an absolute lunatic 
has less to do with untreated mental illness making you a genius and had everything to do with the fact that, holy shit, these people had lead poisoning. <laughs> they had magnesium poisoning and Mercury sodium poisoning, poisoning and every, every kind poisoning. of poisoning. Every poisoning. I actually looked imagine. this up once. Old, old painters used to point their brushes in their mouths, which, I mean, like, mm. makes sense as long as you don't want to have teeth in five years. Because, like, they, were, they weren't just exposed to lead. Like, I'm not they kidding when I say they were ingesting it. They were literally putting lead in their mouths every couple of yeah. minutes to point their brushes. And, like, a lot of these people painted feverishly. Yeah, and that's not even counting people who painted in poor conditions, without a lot of ventilation, and how much of the paint ended up in the air. Yeah, you... you if you think that like, eating it is bad... would cough up paint chips. <laughs> <laughs> out, out of all the paint they had accidentally ingested. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Mm, mm. It's not a good sign. That is, no. like, the last ditch of a body trying to save itself. Yeah, and that's not even counting all the people who, like, accidentally drank turpentine. Because they put just water right next to their... Oh, God. (laughs) I actually came very, very close to drinking out of a paint cup instead of my glass of sangria at paint night the other night. (laughs) And it was only through, like, the grace of my roommate (laughs) that she stopped me. Yeah, this happens to people. And, like, that wouldn't hurt you. (laughs) Paint is non-toxic now. You can drink it if you want to, I guess. Non-toxic paint in water is just gross. (laughs) I feel like you shouldn't. (laughs) You won't enjoy it, but you're not going to, like lose your teeth and then your mind (laughs) you know like it's not that like no great artists were ever just like mentally ill because they were mentally ill like that does happen but like the mental illness usually was a detriment to them being able to finish their art not a benefit which is just my way of saying don't stop taking your meds just because you think it'll make you art good it won't (laughs) Also, if you have a pre-existing mental condition, don't lick heavy metals. Don't. Don't do that. That's also, it's not going to help you. It will not help you at all. It'll it'll just turn the voices up to a solid 13. They're just, they're going to get very loud. One day you're, yeah, you're licking white paint off a palette, and the next day you are mailing body parts. Mm, mm. Never go full Luca Magnata. Just do not. Don't do it. Do not. <laughs> yeah. I actually read uh, a piece once about people who used to paint with radium. Oh my gosh, yeah. They used to, back in the day, they thought like when, when radium came out, radium actually, you wouldn't know this because your government loves you enough to not let you eat or wear radium. Yeah. But radium glows. It's it naturally oh, yeah, it's glows. Super cool. It people put it in put it in watches. Yeah, the glow in the dark shit that we have now has to be like charged via sunlight and fairies. I don't really know how it works, mm-hmm. but like radium just naturally glows. You don't have to charge that shit at all. Yeah, and it's super convenient. People were fucking fascinated by it, and they used to use it like Jessica just said on watch dials. They used to paint the numbers on your watch with radium. So that you could mm-hmm. read it in the dark. Um, and we decided. It would power the paint. Yeah, the problem was is that like painting tiny little numbers on a watch dial is incredibly fucking difficult. Mm-hmm. Takes a lot of time. So the girls who used to do it had to point their brushes in their mouths constantly. Mm-hmm. And after a couple of years of doing that, I guess Thereby you just radium. Radium, just shitloads of radium. And if you do that for a couple of years, you actually just dissolve from the inside, mm-hmm. which is really pleasant. It will fuck up your internal organs. But the problem is, you get a lot of young girls doing that, and then you only realize five years down the road that, oh, Yeah, it takes some time. Oh. <laughs> it's weird how, like, everybody who used to work for us is dead now. Hmm. Yeah, it actually, it's because it deposits into your bones. 
which yeah, then yeah. just sort of dissolved <laughs> because we can't have a podcast that's not disgusting. Yeah, like and your if bones, you were your your bone marrow is literally what gives you an immune system and blood and life yeah, and it creates your blood, your white blood cells. Oh my god, the ability to breathe without screaming, like all yeah. these things come from your bones. <laughs> that's why I'm counting like walking without like one of them giving out. <laughs> so if you're ever just like ah meddling government won't let me have lead or radium or any of the cool shit like Mm. they just don't want you to mail your body bits to people yeah like nowadays it can be like oh man the government keeps restricting my behavior like these a lot of these regulations came in for a reason because eating lead is bad and it's kind of (laughs) fucked up because you have to be really careful about especially like antiques but especially old soviet antiques because because everything from the Soviet Union is horrible. Yeah, but especially because like things that were once painted with radium, the glowing oh, paint, they're still fucking radioactive. Yeah, the glowing <laughs> paint has worn away. They're still fucking radioactive. <laughs> that thing has a longer half life than like the remaining time humans have on Earth. Yep. <laughs> the, your glowing watch will glow long after the last like light has died from humanity's eyes. <laughs> It, it, like, I, I once heard um, a description of, like, if humanity disappeared tomorrow, what would be the last glowing, th- like, what would be the last, when would the last light come out? And, like, the answer is, like, all the radioactive shit we've made. <laughs> um, that's the answer. <laughs> yeah, you, people like, like to think it's some, like, romantic view of, like, the last city lights of Manhattan as it drifts beneath the sea. No, no, it's our garbage. Our garbage, our garbage will glow will be for glowing eons. in under down, underground beacons, <laughs> like our underground um, bunkers, uh, until the sun explodes. <laughs> <laughs> we are just so bad at being bad a species. At <laughs> We're bad at this. <laughs> We're not very good at foresight. <laughs> no, no, it's yeah. why we ate lead for just mm. centuries. Centuries of lead. I think that's part of what they <laughs> took down the Roman Empire. <laughs> Just a and lot of lead. <laughs> then we smeared it on our faces till our lips fell off. We're just, we're bad at this. <laughs> we're not good. We're not good. We put we're it in our good. pipes. Holy shit. We're still doing it. We're still doing it. <laughs> yeah, I had to get a waiver. When you when you move into an apartment in Manhattan, they give you this little sheet that tells you whether or not your building has lead pipes, mm-hmm. which is good to know. So to hopefully know. I will reach 30 with all my original teeth. Thank yeah, you, yeah. New York if, landlord. If Janelle gets progressively more incoherent, you need to call the city of New York. <laughs> you need to warn them. <laughs> or it's the sleep deprivation. <laughs> mm, or, or that, or that, whatever. <laughs> it could you know just what? be that. Call the city of New York anyway. They could, you, you know, if you're feeling lonely. <laughs> They'll figure something out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, for this reason, modern forgery is even more complicated than the old-fashioned variety, as scientific methods of verification have become co- more commonplace such as carbon dating, organic materials, ultraviolet light to detect recently added details to the painting, and x-rays, which is one of the better uses of radiation, to see if the current (laughs) painting was painted over top an old one rather than a new canvas, and, if so, whether the old painting contains anachronistic details that mean that it is newer than the supposed age of the painting placed over top. So basically, we're having an art forgery arms race. Mm, that's exactly what this is. The technology of art forgery detection versus the technology of art forgery. <laughs> it's like basically the space the race, same but... races yeah. we've been having between locks and pick locks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the space race, but nobody wins. Yeah. It, there's not going to be, like, a final, like... Mutually assured destruction to, uh... <laughs> that's, that's not really how the space race ended. Yeah, well, there's Holy not gonna shit, be... Jessica. It's, 
it's associated. And there's not really going to be, like... Originally, the original plan to go is go to the moon was to put, like, nukes up there. I wish the space I race, kidding. Yeah, the space race ended with mass public disinterest. Yeah. That's, but we're not that's even how the be, space like, race died. We're not even going to give me, like, technological spinoffs from this, really. I mean, come to think of it, that's how art forgery will end, too, with mass public disinterest. <laughs> Nobody else cares. You either have It's to just be a race to boredom. Just a race to boredom. Either you're part of the very small community that cares about this, or you do not give a shit. People will stop buying art, and then we'll just yeah. stop doing this. Or you're this. an old person who likes to watch uh, the, the Antique Roadshow. You probably also care. <laughs> yeah. I like old Antique Roadshow. Yeah, it's a good show, but, like, it's not the sort of thing you'd watch unless you had, like, 12 hours a day to do so. <laughs> they also don't, like, carbon date the fucking trunk you brought in. Mm, probably not. <laughs> Sometimes, rather than a meta- the metaphorical print- uh, fingerprint of the artist, modern experts can use the actual fingerprints of the artist preserved in the piece to verify against other pieces supposedly by the same author, which is super cool. What? We have, like, Van Gogh's fingerprint kicking around? Oh, yeah, we have tons of fingerprints. Like, we have Da Vinci fingerprints. We have tons of fingerprints of old artists just preserved in their works. I'm betting there's, like, a bunch of DNA kicking around in there, too. Oh, absolutely. We could probably print a Van Gogh. Uh, We could (laughs) just print Van Gogh. Just print him and just be like, you know what? (laughs) What would you have been like without the lead paint and ear chopping? Yeah, this this could be interesting. Ethically dubious, but fascinating. (laughs) All the best science is ethically dubious. <laughs> that's that's what movies have taught me. <laughs> that's what real life has taught me. Yeah. Back in the 1960s, you could give LSD to elephants just because you fucking wanted to. Yeah. They won't let you do that anymore because it turns out it kills them. You don't even have to them. give them a reason. <laughs> no, it just it just kills them. If that's if you oh, were shit. curious as to what the outcome was, they just die. That's way less fun than you'd think. <laughs> yeah, it's way less fun. That's why they don't let you do that anymore. <laughs> Whoops. You can't actually murder an endangered species because you feel like See, it. this is actually why, I think this is why people usually use mice. Way less expensive in case, whoops, it just kills them. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. You can sort of order more of those when you're mass ordering elephants, people have questions. Yeah, yeah. Usually the the ethics board and and the financial board, like, they, you get a, quite a few raised eyebrows on that one. That is not a that is not an ask that's going through. When you remit those receipts, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna have some issues. One group of forgers, the Greenhalsh family, and this is Greenhalsh ending with L G H. I had to look this up repeatedly before I was certain. Uh, they faked a diverse array of different artworks and artifacts from 1989 to 2006, very recent, out of the family shed in Bolton, England. Holy and shit. And sold them to various museums and collectors. I like that this is a family thing. They're just like, all right, son. Yeah. Today's the day you make your first Rembrandt. It's kind of touching, you know, family values, you know, <laughs> just passing on the passing on tradition and, and doing things together like as as a group. You don't have a bar mitzvah, you just... Keep yourself connected. Yeah, you make your first dolly, and then you're a man now. <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a rite of passage more in touch with the modern age. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually the opposite way around of a son getting his parents into, into, the, into the racket. Oh, that's fun. Um, you know, I love it's when not I exactly my peer parents. pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I love corrupting my mother, although... No, she mostly does it the other way around. It's like when you teach your mom how to text, except you're teaching your mother how to commit international art crime. (laughs) 
I mean, she's more likely to figure out the international art crimes depending on who your mother is. <laughs> oh no, my mom can text, and now her texts are 80% emojis, and the other 20% are just, are you home yet? Over and over and over again. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that my, my dad has uh, moved on to typing with, like, he doesn't really use a lot of punctuation. It's You sort of have to, like, do some literary interpretation on his text. But I, I'm mostly, <laughs> like, like it's just like, is there supposed to be a comma here? Is this another sentence? You've just got to, like, sentence but, diagram all of his texts <laughs> to figure yeah, out I'm what's going I'm just really on. glad he doesn't text, like, a 13-year-old girl anymore, so. <laughs> oh, my dad does. My dad, like, I swear to God, is, like, inventing new emojis. <laughs> yeah, my my mother on the other hand she she's an emoji queen and she keeps getting mad that i don't respond back with my with my own stickers and emojis oh my dad she's found like, that like horrible yeah my dad found that like iphone feature where you can draw stuff to each other so now all of my text uh. messages come in the form of a 15 second elaborate handwritten drawing <laughs> oh that's adorable it's adorable the first 47 times <laughs> And then after that, you're like, I just want to fucking know what you want. <laughs> do, do I need to get milk? Uh, are we, do we need to have a conversation? What are my brothers doing? <laughs> I don't want to have to read your handwriting. This is the entire benefit of text. <laughs> we just, we went full circle. We went too far. Technology has gone too far. We're, we're back. We're back where we started. <laughs> Sean Greenhalgh, a son of the family, was a self-taught artist and antiques dealer who painstakingly researched his forgeries and used sketches and photographs to inform his creations, which included paintings, statues, and metalwork, all in a remarkable array of styles and materials. Oh, so he's he's got some variety. He's a well-rounded yeah, young most forger. most forgers specialize. Hyper-specialize. They pick a particular era, usually a particular artist, and definitely one particular medium. It's extremely unusual to be as varied as Greenhalgh was, because even specializing in one art discipline takes a lot of time, a lot of determination, and a lot of talent. Never mind forging several different eras and several different varieties of, of medium, like, to the degree that you can fool people. So he's experts. He's the Michelangelo of art forgery. Literally. Except that was actually Michelangelo. <laughs> <laughs> so the best might be yet to come. He may yet go down in history as a great artist. Yeah, we're going to be like a hundred years from now, the greenhouse of, of art forgery. And he was an art forger? art forger? What? What? We're going to have the same reaction as we did earlier. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so... Greenhouse, likewise, painstakingly faked documentation, legitimizing the supposed origin of his work. Do famous mother... masterpieces just come with receipts? Like, is there a bill of sale for these things? Oh, actually, yes. <laughs> generally... It's like a car you buy on Kijiji. Oh, absolutely. You de definitely have to, like, either have a, a certificate of authentic authentication from a recognized uh, art expert, or you have to have some explanation of how exactly you got this. <laughs> and there's only so many times you can say, well, like, oh, I found it in my grandma's attic. You know, that doesn't fly the eighth time you say that. Where <laughs> people are like, your your grandmother was a mafia wife. <laughs> like, <laughs> either that or your your family are actual Nazis. Yeah. What was your grandmother doing during the war? <laughs> Groups of elderly people who have mass quantities of old art are Nazis. Yeah, they, they just are. They just are. <laughs> they just are. There's no good explanation for why your broke grandmother would have a 
like six dozen masterpieces just stashed between her old underwear. I mean, like I don't want to, I don't want to get like too too hard on that. Like if your grandmother has just like too hard on Nazis. No, no, on like art. If people... your grandmother's an art collector, she's an old racist, and you should kill her. <laughs> you must take her out for the good of Israel. Wow, that got wow. Okay, you're we're you were going there. You were going there. Don't blame me. I just went to murder. Don't blame me. I didn't me go this. to Zionism. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing the full political spectrum today. I am just saying, for for the sake of the Jewish people, kill your grandmother. <laughs> well, now that you put it like that, that seems reasonable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, if your grandma just has like eight cat paintings, probably not. She can probably live. Yeah. <laughs> She'll live. She gets to live this time. This time. Keep an eye on her, though. <laughs> She's shifting. If she makes strudel too many times, just, you know, take her out. Holy shit. This is why your family live in a different province than you. You started it. <laughs> My grandparent is already dead. I don't have to. And I, I had nothing to do with it. I have one left and I will take no blame for this. <laughs> and she's going to have to fucking watch herself. She's going to have to watch her ass. <laughs> Sorry, Grandma. Um... <laughs> But yeah, you do have to document where you got the origin, like who sold it to you, where did you get it, where did you purchase this from, was this a recognized art house, and so on and so forth. So like, I tripped and fell and stumbled into a dolly is not gonna fly? No. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. Uh, His mother and father, Olive and George, uh, Olive was the mother, George was the father. I did figure, I didn't think Uh Olive was the father, but thank you for the clarification. (laughs) I mean, everyone I know is Andrew, so... (laughs) I don't know what gender names are supposed to be. Like, his parents then sold his work on through being friendly, trustworthy-seeming old people. Especially his father, who made a play at being a harmless, dotty old man, using the fact that he was elderly and wheelchair-bound to get under people's guard and pretending not to know what he had. (laughs) I just like to think that he would, like, ram them with his wheelchair if they disagreed. this uh, ancient Egyptian artifact, I just was thinking of using it as a garden gnome. (laughs) (laughs) Just be old and confused and people will be too sad to not buy your art. Yep, yep. Aw, look at that old man. That's the real key to success. I'm gonna give him 200 million dollars. Basically. (laughs) It's also a good way to convince your doctor to give you medication you don't need. It's it's excellent. By being old? I think you actually need it at that point. No, but just like- The whole point of being old. No, just by pretending not to know know what you're talking about. You just just talk to your doctor and you're just like, oh, I have this symptom. No, I have this symptom. And like, they'll never check that you actually have those symptoms. But, like, they get immediately suspicious if you're like, I have an anxiety disorder. Whereas, like, if you're just like, oh, I just feel really tense all the time, they'll be like, here, have some marijuana. (laughs) I feel like this is just you explaining how you get drugs. I mean, I don't get drugs because I don't (laughs) like them. But if I needed to get drugs, or even if I wanted to get drugs, I'd be very good at it. (laughs) So this is you explaining how you paid for college. Yes. <laughs> Resale of pharmaceuticals is very lucrative. <laughs> oh my god. We can't make it through a single episode without you admitting to a federal crime. <laughs> I mean, I mean, probably not. <laughs> Mama's gotta get paid. <laughs> we haven't done it so far. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Gotta, I need me some money. Awesome, the Jessica Pigeot Guide to Scoring Percocet. That's <laughs> just a fun bonus content. Woo. 
they eventually got caught due to the fact that some Assyrian statues they tried to sell to the British Museum, after selling several other things to the British Museum, contained an unavoidable error. A series of obvious spelling mistakes in the cuneiform writing. <laughs> almost oh, as if the person who wrote it didn't make a habit of reading or writing cuneiform. <laughs> Does Google Translate not have a like English to cuneiform option? Yeah, no, they haven't they haven't added that in yet. It's a real They haven't shame. added dead languages in there? Yeah. Oh man. Well they I mean they have Latin, but like everybody knows Ugh. Latin. Come on. Oh well, I mean <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Here at the Ivy Leagues we all speak yeah, Latin and Greek and we play a lot of Frisbee. Mm-hmm. That and, and, and water polo, which I, is a real shame. I hate it when the horses drown. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> what the hell is going on in Grand Prairie? <laughs> Your entire childhood was just basically a Welcome to Night Vale episode? <laughs> yeah. And now you're fucked up. <laughs> so fucked up. Yeah, so Sean Greenhouse served four years and eight months and has since returned to a more legitimate art form of art. Uh, the Victorian Albert Museum actually held an exhibition of his forgeries in 2010. So he's genuinely going to be Michelangelo someday. Yes. Where now he's gone legit and... <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, that being said, he opened up a business like doing forgeries. Just like, they're oh, not God. really forgeries, they're just copies now. <laughs> Um, this dude is so getting like an inspirational Academy Award winning biopic someday. But he says part of the reason why he got caught was probably because he started getting sloppy due to the fact he felt so guilty about what he was doing because of how much he had respected uh, the institutions he was selling art to. And he said that part of the problem and like he didn't talk about his like he stayed silent all throughout his presence day. I'm and bad at cuneiform because my soul hurts. Seems a little flimsy. A little flimsy, a little flimsy. Um, but like he made several other mistakes in his art, they just weren't caught right away. And he says part of the reason why he doesn't think he could ever be a really truly great artist is because he never developed his own style. Greenhouse doesn't seem to have been motivated by financial gain, rather by feeling slighted and unappreciated by the art world. Notably, none of the money that he accepted from these various institutions was used for anything. It was just he left just in his bank hoarded account. it like some kind of dragon. Yeah, it was just proof that he could really do he, that. He could be a real artist. That he could sell works that were just as good as the as as the old artwork that other people were applauded for. That he really was as as good as good as he thought he was, but never was recognized for. That's what that I mean, was. In terms of, like, art school rejects getting revenge, becoming a master forger is, like, a better redemption story than, like, leading the Third Reich. But I mean... It's still not great. It's still not great. <laughs> I'm not saying the two are comparable, but still not great. <laughs> he left school at 16, was self-taught, and clearly quite talented. He tried selling his early art under his own name and was largely unsuccessful, though he did make some money creating replicas. According to Greenhalgh, his first in intentional forgery was an imitation Edgar Degas he sold at auction out of curiosity when he was 17 to see what his work would be worth if he had a famous name. It's Did you just, like, deep-throat the microphone while speaking? Um, I think I may have accidentally touched the, uh, the cord. 
in a way that uh, <laughs> gave me a <laughs> certain air of... I don't know what it sounded like on your end. It probably sounded like I was trying to hide hide my voice from the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you were ducking under a table to avoid the police scanners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that the was... helicopter lights are coming through. Now Jessica's broadcasting live from under the desk. <laughs> You'll never get me, coppers. I'm not going back to prison. You can't make me. I'll never go back. If you hadn't committed 47 felonies <laughs> by the age of 26. All of which I admitted to on recording and then immediately published. <laughs> Criminal mastermind. <laughs> yeah. So his forgery sold for over 10,000 pounds. That is many, many pounds. Yeah, it's it's quite a lot, especially at the time when he did this. <laughs> His resentment of the art, art world makes a kind of sense, and he clearly loved art. Yeah, I mean, I imagine he did this for like seventeen hours a day. You've got to really like mm-hmm. got your heart in it at this point. You you have to you have to really love what you're doing in order to have the kind of determination that Greenhalgh has, like to boldly and illegally do it for years. Yeah, like. He was he was acting as a forger while also having a full time job as like an antique seller, which is part of the reason why he was able to get away with having this many you know random pieces of art on him. So after this story broke, I feel like would you not want to go back and check like the authenticity of every oh my fucking gosh. antique you ever sold? Every fucking thing. It would take for. Ever just to get through it all. <laughs> like, if this dude owned a table saw, there's a good to fair chance that half of his antiques were bullshit, too. Oh, absolutely. Like, he made a fake, fake, Egy- like, ancient Egyptian artifact with a chisel that he got from, like, the British equivalent of Home Depot. Dude can pull off a blanket chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. He can make a steamer trunk. Mm. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He's got, he's, 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 he's got some talent. Versatile. This brings us to the most interesting aspect of the Greenhalgh case. La Bella Principessa, which is a portrait of a young woman in Renaissance dress, perhaps Bianca Sforza. Who was not a prostitute? No, not a prostitute. This was a fully dressed drawing, so it didn't quite have the same Of someone who was not homeless. Yeah, someone who was not homeless. The Sforzas were an extremely powerful Italian family of non-prostitutes. Um, <laughs> As opposed to the Medici's, who were a very an extremely powerful family of semi-prostitutes. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I'm willing to bet the Medici's were called whores a lot. I'm less willing to bet they 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 exchanged sex for money. <laughs> no, I think well they did. I just I think they were the ones giving the money. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> they the were on the other around. end of that equation. Other way around. There's another term for that. <laughs> The Bella Principessa is disputedly attributed to Leonardo da Vinci. Greenhalgh claims he drew it. No fuck. Yeah, on an old deed made of vellum as an homage to Leonardo, then sold it for 80 pounds as a young man, and that it's actually a portrait of a checkout clerk named Allison, or as he called her, <laughs> Sally, he worked with in Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> so is it a famous member of a long dead royal family or is it checkout girl or is from it target sally from the checkout <laughs> <laughs> who knows it's, we may never know we may never know that being said carbon dating places the origin of the vellum between 1440 
1650, and the lead in the white pigment is at least over 200 years old as well. Dude had some good fucking materials. Good fucking materials. Or he's lying out his ass. Or he's lying out his ass. It would be odd for an unintentional forgery to have noted these details, but it's also odd that the portrait lacks any documentation prior to the 20th century, which is super weird as Leonardo wrote about everything he did, and the Sforzas were a famous and powerful Italian family. Yeah, and Leonardo didn't get out much. No, he didn't. Literally not. had nothing better to do than mirror write everything he ever ate, <laughs> drank, or fucking did. Yeah, like he doodled little penises in the in the in the margins of his work as an adult man. Like he did not get out much, and he procrastinated constantly and experimented with paint all the time, which is part of why we have so few of his paintings because a lot of them just melted after a certain amount of time. <laughs> oh shit yeah yeah he just like would just dick <laughs> good around. thing the penises survived yeah good thing, good thing for that but like he would just dick around with the composition of the paint so much that like sometimes they would just like <laughs> <laughs> clearly just just trying to make it taste better yeah, yeah. Leonardo just, just trying to improve <laughs> yeah, Leonardo da Vinci did not really have a passion for painting the way he did for inventing and he wasn't really known as a painter until later on <laughs> Until he painted a lady with no eyebrows and a creepy smile. I think she originally had eyebrows, but, like, yeah, yeah, creepy smile was always there. I didn't, like, somebody pointed out to me that Mona Lisa had no eyebrows when I was, like, 21 years old, and it just blew <laughs> my fucking mind. Yeah, you just never noticed. No, you don't, because you just assume humans have eyebrows, except for her. She, does, she doesn't yeah, need them. Doesn't need them, doesn't need them. Mona Lisa liked tweezers. Yeah, it's just the sort of thing, like, if you saw a modern painting with, like, no eyebrows, you'd go, like, huh, that woman has no eyebrows. But because we're just so used to the Mona Lisa, it's just, like, it doesn't even, we don't even understand her individual features. No, it doesn't register. I, I think if you see, like, a modern person without eyebrows, you just, like, spend, like, a couple minutes thinking, like, what's wrong with their face? And then you go, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, the majority of people today technically have no eyebrows. They just paint that shit back on. It's also it's also an effect of uh, hy hy hypothyroidism. You just lose well, all your now eyebrows. Now you made it sad. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is is this fashion? Is this is this a is this a terrible disease? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Devastating disease of the thyroid gland. Gland. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Some big news. Some big Laugh at them anyway. Eyebrows on fleek. Laugh at them anyway. <laughs> Oh my god, mock the ill. Mock the ill. <laughs> the, the painting also, while well, drawing, also lacks the characteristic crackler one would expect, given its supposed age, and it's on vellum, which, otherwise known as uh, skin. Uh, which I was going to say, that's just skin, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah. Just... It's just treated skin. Uh, before before that was like a buffalo bill thing, mm, it was totally normal. Totally normal. Totally normal. This was It was probably the most lasting, cheapest option for or med medieval monks. Just the flesh of a sheep. Nah. <laughs> and vellum, notably, wasn't a material Leonardo da Vinci typically used. We have thousands of his drawings. Again, didn't get out much. And only one, one, is on vellum. A set of illustrations commissioned for a book of mathematics. In fact, using vellums is a common trick for fooling carbon dating because there's a lot of lame mon monastic documents on vellum from roughly the right period. You just erase them. Yeah, you just erase them. You just, you know, you just erase what's on it. You just and scrub you them just, out. Yeah, and you just use what's left. Yeah. <laughs> Genius. There's a lot of documents on vellum, but not a lot of pristine sheets of paper. It's also almost stereotypically a Leonardo. 
with all of his most notable traits in the same drawing, almost like the artist had something to prove. And so dicks. Dicks. There's a dick in so it. So many dicks. There's actually no dicks in it. Well, no dicks that oh. you can see. All the dicks well, are Then it's obviously fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, if there's not a single dick. penis in here, like, what's the point? It's clearly not a le- genuine Leonardo. It's not a Leonardo. Not a Leonardo. It, and it also contains numerous inconsistencies in terms of style and technique with Leonardo's work. It's also notable that most of the proponents of the, of the idea that this is, like, a Leonardo work, like, it's mostly based on dubious scholarship by its proponents. There's a quote from the head art critic of The Telegraph, Richard Dormant, that the major work forwarding the Leonardo attribution and the very idea that this is a portrait of Bianca Sforza, a book by Martin Kemp, who is a recognized expert, that it reads quite a bit more like advocacy than a scholarly discussion, largely avoiding- They just really don't want to be wrong. They just really don't want to be wrong. It largely avoids addressing the strongest criticisms or the way in which most of the forensic evidence could have easily been faked by a knowledgeable forger. Their art school friends will make fun of them. Oh, they they will make if they're wrong about this. So much fun of them. This will be the talk of fancy cocktail parties that we're not invited to for years, for centuries. Fancy people will be laughing <laughs> at them when they've been dead and dissolved in dust. There's not a lot of gossip in the art world. You really got to milk it. Yeah, it's pretty dry. It's pretty dry. <laughs> Nobody does anything decently scandalous these days. <laughs> I say like I've ever been invited to any of these parties. Doesn't no you you have uh, technically goodwill. I'm a crasher. Art like the rest of us. <laughs> you've got you've got posters from Walmart just like the rest of us. I clubs. mean, I show up but they don't let me in. <laughs> <laughs> That's true of many things, including mm-hmm. countries. You know the the real key to getting getting into a fancy party you're not you're, you don't belong in. Uh, just wear a nice suit and keep walking. <laughs> just pretend that you're supposed to be there. I keep a small amount of money set aside for your bail at all times. That's the way I get to eat a lot of fancy food, is just walking into parties in, like confidently and in a good suit. <laughs> I keep my phone on ring for when you call me from a police station, because it's a matter of when. Uh, uh, not if. Not it's if, a when. Not if. It's a when. It is a when. But until then, I have eaten a lot of good macarons. <laughs> You're going on a monkey child leash when you're in Manhattan. <laughs> one of those little backpacks with a tail. I'm going to get one. <laughs> can I have the squeaky shoes? that, like, So you can always... You are like a pet. You are not allowed off leash. <laughs> except in select areas of the parks. Ooh, I like the park. They're fenced in. You can do no harm. <laughs> one of the things that's often cited as proof that this is Leonardo is the fact that it has left-handed hatching. Because lefties ruin everything that they write. Oh, so rare. (laughs) So rare. Greenhouse claimed that he turned it so the hatching was from the other direction. Clever. And general consensus before Martin Kemp, and still after Martin Kemp publishes work, is that it is from the 19th century or later. It is also notable that both sides here have a motive. That the clear financial motives are with the proponents of this particular case. They want it to be worth lots and lots and lots they of money. They want it to be worth lots and lots of lots of money. So it last sold for over 20,000 US dollars, but if it was proven to be a real genuine Leonardo, it could be worth over 150 million. 
almost as much as I owe CIBC student line of education at this yes. point. You could also make the careers of the men involved. Greenhalgh, obviously, is a convicted fraud man. <laughs> who wants to just fuck with rich people one more time. Who wants to fuck with rich people one more time. But there is a real possibility that he is telling the truth. <laughs> it is also entirely possible that it could just be some random German dude from the 19th century. But it's interesting either way. I mean, he already proved his point. He's a good art forger. There's not really a lot of incentive for him to, like, yeah. keep lying. He tricked a lot of people, dude. Yeah, like, he repeatedly tr tricked, like, the greatest museums in Britain. He repeatedly embarrassed them and showed he, he had what it took. Why? Did he doesn't he, need this. He doesn't <laughs> need this. Absolutely not. And it's weird that he would specifically pick the Bella Principessa, which has so many potential markers as a possible fraud, unless he knew a lot about the drawing. And the specific things he's mentioned, like, either you have to be a very good expert on the drawing, you have to have researched it heavily. Or you have to have made it in a dark garage one night. Either that, or you made it one night when you were 19. <laughs> <laughs> it's one or the other. One or the other. But in any case, it's an, it's an interesting theory. And it would be fucking hilarious, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be so funny. They would look like morons. <laughs> this comes back to your, like, I would rob Batman. I would. <laughs> this would bring Jessica so much joy. Uh, visceral pleasure. I would just be so <laughs> excited. <laughs> the only things you enjoy in life are drinking full gallon jugs of milk and watching rich people buy fake art. <laughs> <laughs> drinking milk in the sun. And art forgery. The only thing better than stealing from rich people is cleverly stealing money from rich people. <laughs> and also when you get a really good sale on dairy. <laughs> <laughs> just, most of my memories of you from undergrad are just you drinking dairy products in the heat with no shoes on. <laughs> That's just who you are. I have, again, on, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast, on numerous occasions I've seen you stop Unzip your backpack and pull out a full four liter jug of milk. Like, it ain't no thing. Yeah, for Christmas I, I did eggnog. Yeah, because you can't resist the pull of hot dairy products, apparently. <laughs> Just room temperature cow juice. <laughs> nah, nah. I keep ice packs in my backpack. It's not better. Just, it is better. It is better. It'll keep me from getting poisoned. <laughs> Your backpack is for school. It is not for the elaborate storage and portability of dairy products. I will have you know, it has been years since I have kept a textbook in my backpack, but it has been days since it's had milk in it. <laughs> <laughs> you live in one of the hottest cities in Canada. <laughs> I mean, now I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably gonna that's actually probably what's gonna end up killing me I'm just gonna accidentally point, po poison myself with dairy products I kept in my backpack in Vancouver she died doing what she loved eating, drinking lukewarm dairy <laughs> <laughs> and if, Jesus Christ in any case this has been uh, th this is this is about the end of my gushing over over famous criminals <laughs> and thereby incriminating myself.
<laughs> so enjoy this podcast while you can before Jessica goes to federal prison, I guess is what we're saying. I mean, you can enjoy or it the after morgue. I go to federal prison. But, uh, uh, you know, it's gonna get awkward. It's gonna get awkward. <laughs> it's it's really gonna limit our recording possibilities. Yeah, you, you might want to share, might, might not want to share the fact that you, that you enjoyed, enjoyed the podcast of notor- notorious pervert slash art fiend, uh, Jessica J. Pijo. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were going away for theft. I don't know where perversion came from. I mean, I walk around without shoes on a lot, and, uh, sometimes I just don't feel like wearing pants. And I... I lick all the rich people before I steal from them. <laughs> Just right in the face. Just, nah. I, I'm not going to say it was sexual on my end, but misinterpretation does occur. <laughs> it was non-sexual licking, your honor. <laughs> I, I didn't mean it as a sex thing. I meant it as a greeting. <laughs> the uh, golden retriever defense. <laughs> as, it, as previously discussed on this podcast... I, I'm basically a dog that learned to talk. <laughs> we gave you a master's degree, and now we let you live on your own. <laughs> questionable. Very questionable. A series of mistakes. I mean, like, I don't technically live on my own, but like... No, it's true. Yeah. You have a designated adult. I have a designated adult. Who I, is not named Andrew. Who is not a- named Andrew. Yeah, my roommate is a uh, is a cloud of a hundred thousand buzzing flies that enjoys fine dining and smooth jazz. It's great. <laughs> it's great. You live in a Welcome to Night Vale episode from which you can't awaken. <laughs> in any case, I uh, hope you've enjoyed the episode. This has been Fat French and Fabulous. I, once again, am Jessica. And I'm still Janelle. This is bit and oh no, I already said that. We already said it. We got Leave it. They losers. know what they're listening to. Get out Leave. of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Go do something with your lives. Like create <laughs> fake art. Sell it to rich people. Lick the rich. Lick the rich. <laughs> <laughs> Hello people. Goodbye, I am tired.